This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to The Auburn Express. Powered by The War Report. All aboard the AM departure from Platform 334. The Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. You know, I've been calling this the weekend tailgate. Uh, it's going to be this weekend's therapy. Uh, <laughs> a lot of us aren't really feeling good, uh, Mike. And I'm pretty sure you saw it in person, ground level, leaving the stadium uh, after yesterday's disappointing loss. Talk about what you saw, man, in your experience, Mike. Um, you know what? Um, let me start with something positive. Something really positive in my book, Caesar. Um, the fans showed up for this one. Now, I know it's the Iron Bowl, but when I say they showed up, not only were they physically there, they were loud the entire game. That atmosphere was absolutely electric. If I were recruiting, I were in the stadium. I, I mean, it was perfect. I mean, the, the game, because of the time of year, the game started at 2.30 but bled into the night. So the fourth quarter light show with Auburn up going into the fourth quarter was an incredible environment. It was it was insane in the stadium. Uh, the uh, the tension was palpable, man. Like people were on edge. They were like, "I can't believe we're in this." Auburn is playing out of their minds right now. Uh, 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 and they limited. Uh, they I thought they made. I thought the crowd made it difficult for Alabama. Um, now, uh, teams that have won championships, you know, do what Alabama did on Saturday. 
Uh, they went into a hostile environment and they found a way. <laughs> man, maybe even if it was a one in one thousand way, they found a way to come out with the win. But it wasn't easy for them because the crowd showed up. And I think that the fans and the students should be commended uh, for the energy and effort that they gave to this team uh, in their last regular season game. I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty amazing. Um, walking out of the stadium, this is hard for me. But guys, I. I thought a lot about the officiating. The officiating in this game was absolutely horrid. There were, there were missed calls. There were non-calls. There were weird calls. Uh, through the first half, I was like, man, these guys are really having a bad game on a national stage. Right. I can't believe how bad the officiating was in this one. Um, no, listen, Alabama had some bad calls that went against them as well, too. I thought most of the bad calls were in their favor. Um, and it sucked. It sucked in a game of this magnitude when a guy clearly comes up short of a first down and they're calling it a first down, right? right. Like, you know, right. the face mask on Batty on the kickoff. Not only did that call that, they called a flag on Auburn on that play. Mm. Like, what was going on? What I, what was going on in this game? I, I, I just did not understand what they were doing. There were a few other calls that were just very curious to me. The hold on McAllister. Yeah. I, come on, man. Um, but the talk of this was, and I, I want to make something clear because it seemed like some people were confused after the game. The talk of this was um, the muffed punt. Um, there are people who were saying Keontae Scott got hurt. Um, if he did, I'm telling you, the coaches didn't seem to know that he was hurt. Um, so uh, I'll be interested uh, to hear from Ike what he reports back on what happened with Keontae before that play. Um, uh, Coy was in there, and I'm... I'm not really that hard on Coy uh, because you can only do what you're told. And he went out there and I thought maybe it might have been best to tell him like, this is where coaching comes in. Do you guys remember like um, a few years ago when uh, Auburn was playing uh, South Carolina and they were losing and they had like a fourth and something like, really close to the goal line. And with the time left, there were only two options, right? Like there was only really one option. It was, it was fourth down. So if you didn't get a first down, the game was over. But if you didn't throw the ball quick enough, you had to put the ball in the end zone. And, it, and, and Bo kind of ran around and then got tackled in bounds. And in my head, I was thinking, how can your quarterback not know what he, the only thing he can't do in that scenario? Right. Right. Like and I put that on coaching. I was like, yo, before he goes out there, you have to remind him, listen, the game's over. If you get tackled in bounds, you put it up, do something, throw it over the back of your head. Literally, just give us any chance for a miracle to happen. But you can't run around and get tackled when there's no chance of you getting to the end zone. Last night, I thought if you're going to put Coy out there, you tell him, look, if it's iffy, get away from it. If it's iffy, get away from it. The game is on the line. We saw Quindarius Carr do this in, t- in 2010. Yeah. They, they tried to catch a punt and muffed, and I kept in the fourth quarter till I was thinking, oh, no. Somehow, Auburn pulled it out in the most epic comeback ever, but they almost fumbled the game back to them. How many, how many times does history have to repeat itself? Why is there not, like, Brian likes to talk about the coaching flowcharts <laughs> that they have. Where, yeah, need to do this. Yeah, right. Like, my, how do you not look at the flowchart and say, listen, hey, Coy, uh, FYI, uh, bud, <laughs> just get away from this one. Or just not even have anyone back there. Correct. 
like, like uh, the only thing you can't do is muff a punt, and especially if you're not putting the guy who's been catching punts for whatever reason. Now, if he was hurt, you had to put somebody back there, or like you said, or nobody at all. Right. That would have been a 200 IQ coaching move to say, you know what? F it. <laughs> Nobody's back there. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see what was the story behind that because even Hugh Freeze wasn't unsure of, of— He thought—they he, wear the same number, so he thought it was Keontae. Look, I'm not faulting so no him for not knew. knowing who the punt returner is. It's right. somebody's job to, to sub that out. Well, they wear the same, and they wear the same jersey. Correct. Number, so the it, special you, teams— Right. Yeah, this, uh, Tanner, I think is this guy's name. He's going to have to—there's some questions for him this morning. Yeah. What the F, dude? <laughs> Yeah. You know, hey, yeah. coach, Keontae's hurt. What do you want to do here? <laughs> right. In a right. critical moment of the game, and I'm telling you, these are high-level coaching decisions that these games come down. We've seen it in these games, guys. They come down to these decisions every once in a while. Yeah. Or, you know, we'll move on after this, right? Like, they come down to these decisions. In 2013, a lot of people were, were invoking 2013 for this one. In 2013, Saban made a simple decision, what looked like seemed like a simple decision, to kick a field goal rather than throw the Hail Mary, which everybody thought he was going to do. Right. That cost him the game. Mm-hmm. Right? And so uh, 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 every text message I got from a non-Auburn fan was said, welcome to the Hugh Freeze experience. These things, these things commonly happen with teams coached by Hugh Freeze. I hope that during his time at Auburn, he can break that habit and learn because you're going to be in this situation again in the next two years. Maybe not with Alabama, but with some school where there's a high-level coaching decision to be made and there's got to be somebody on a mic somewhere, guys, that says, Coach, remember, right, who we got going in at point return? <laughs> Don't let this happen to us again. So I, 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 I was very impressed with uh, the, the effort in the run game. I thought the offensive line did a great job opening up holes for the running backs. Uh, they did a great job breaking tackles and getting extra yards. Amari Alston and, and Jarquez Hunter absolutely made this a game for Auburn. Yeah. You know, Peyton Thorne had one yard in the first quarter, guys. They needed a run game. And they got it, and, it, and it, abs- it was devastating to Alabama because not only did it help them control the flow of the game, like the time of possession, man, when you're running the ball like that, <laughs> keeping the ball out of Milrow's hands and limiting his offensive opportunities. They needed one more score, man, in that fourth quarter, man, and that game was over. Yeah, One more. Um, they weren't able to get it. But um, overall, um, I think that there are some positives to take away for the future. But there are definitely some things that you need to get fixed because regardless of the talent level, some of these decisions will be the same. Right? You're, you're going to find you, – it's the SEC, man. If you're going to win it, you're going to find yourself in a tight game with a team that has a little bit more talent than you and definitely more experienced coaching. And the coaches who win those games, guys, make the superior coaching decisions. When talent is equal, it comes down to coaching and execution, right? And um, if you're the coach and you just want to make sure that you're not the reason that your team lost it, you want to do everything for your team that you can, right? Um, Look, man, they got them up for this game, so I will give them credit for that, right? But the the reason why you make you're in the top 15 of coaches paid in the country, it's to make these decisions and understand how all these little micro decisions affect a tight game like this, right? And I think there are a couple things that they would like to have back. 
But, you know, great showing by the Tigers, uh, great showing for the recruits. I saw Cam Coleman there. He was in the house. It was a star-studded recruit fest, dude. Demarcus Riddick was there. Walker White was there. Hell, they had gymnasts flip there. Targets. Like, yeah, dude. They Several were, flip targets was there. Uh, yeah, other, other sports were recruiting in that environment. It was nuts. Absolutely nuts, man. And so I, I thought that they did a good job understanding that these guys can be part of a culture that will show up for them no matter what. Now, I think that was a positive message you got sent yesterday from the game. Be will your time to get in here. We talked a lot yesterday. Yeah, we did. You gave we a did. lot of your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. How are you, how, how are you this morning, man? Man, I, I'm not going to lie and say it don't hurt. I mean, I didn't think we was going to win this game. But when it's the fourth quarter and we're up, and we're up 24-20, and honestly, man, I, I don't think there's anybody who, even, even the biggest skeptics, once that f- that bad snap flew over Milrose's head, I said, "Oh shit, we can actually do this." It's no, I take it back. It started once they missed that field goal. Mm-hmm. I said, "Oh, this is their best kicker in like ten years or something." Is it happening? That bad snap, I said, "Uh oh, it's happening." I said, boy, let me tell y'all how trash y'all are, boy. Sorry, it's team coming in here. Talking about you going to be in the playoff. You can't even beat <laughs> I was, I was getting fired up. Man. Clear. <laughs> yes. I love that energy, B. And then. Tell, and then what? And then what happened? <laughs> fourth and 31. I was like, oh. <laughs> we got it. We got it. Oh. Yeah, yikes! The the it's because I believe. See, I was I was insulated from the pain because I I thought that we weren't gonna win it. I was insulated. I had built up this defense. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and you and tore then, it down for a second. Tore it down. Tore it down. Gotcha. Be, wait, 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 wait. Can I tell you so real quick? It's kind of to further your point. I fourth and thirty one. I'm thinking something like we might actually rush the field here, like. Mm-hmm. The students might go off the chain and run over all the yellow jackets all the way to the field and tear down the goalposts. And I definitely want to be right in the middle to get every bit of video and get trampled and die. And the uh, 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 I got down the when I got down the elevator, they were losing. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what happened? I just got on the elevator. <laughs> so it's your fault. <laughs> no, I should have stayed in the booth. I should have stayed in the booth, guys. My bad. I was like, what could have ha- what could have possibly happened in those 60 seconds? Yeah. yeah. Fourth and 31 happened. It was rough. That's, was rough. that's what happened. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just wanted no, to. No, you're good. I, I mean, we all feeling it. We're feeling it. It's not because we... This is why the talent disparity argument or it wasn't an argument. He phrased wasn't making the case. He was talking about, can we expect to be um, favored? Are, are we likely to win in these games? And honestly, the answer was no. For the level of talent that we were going against, there is a, if you play to your potential and I play to my potential, what's likely to happen? Okay. When you have better players your potential is higher than when you don't have better players. Now, that doesn't mean you can't win a game. What it means is you have to play your perfect game. You have to play your best game. And they have to play, they have to make a couple mistakes or just 
some of their worst tendencies have to come into play. But all things considered, when you're playing a more talented team, you have to play to your best potential and you really can't make mistakes, okay? We made mistakes. And this is, as I've told my Bama friends, I was like, honestly, I don't think y'all are that good. I've said that all year. I've said that before we played this game. I said that after. I was like, man, listen, our quarterback went 5 of 16 with drops and bad play in the first half, and we were up 24-20 on y'all. That's wild. In what world would I tell you, hey, we got a quarterback that's average at best. We're barely going to pass for for much yards, and we're going to be up on y'all. They were like, no, not us. We're going to play. We held Ole Miss to 10 points. Y'all aren't that good. Mm. We had a dropped touchdown by Vara in the end zone in the fourth quarter. Mm. That was that was tough. That was tough. That was, that was tough. tough. We had a couple of first uh, third down conversions that would have been conversions, but Fairweather dropped a couple. We had, of course, the bust on the play to Burton, but of course they busted on the play to Var. So that touchdown kind of bounces out. So maybe that's a wash. The call that. The muff punt, which is the biggest mistake in the game by far. There, we made so many mistakes to lose this game by for at, at the end of the game by one play. So many mistakes. What I saw was that the talent disparity that we thought was there, I think the last two games pretty much nukes that argument. What you have to be is resourceful in how you deploy your talent. What you have to be is creative in how you deploy that talent. You have to be resolute that you're going to be committed to this style of play or this player or or the hurry-up scheme. And he wasn't committed to anything early in the season, which is why we lost those talent disparity games handily. But over the course of the back half of the season, what you saw is them figure out, This is going to be my quarterback. This is going to be how we play. We're going to cut the wide receiver rotation down to just a few guys. And this is what it's going to be. He became a better coach of this team. He frees over the course of the season. And I think that mattered. And it showed you that once you've actually focused in on who you are and how you want to attack, the talent disparity starts to disappear. And what we saw last night was not, we didn't get blown off the field in any facet. None. It was a winnable game. It was right there. It wasn't just one play that lost it. It was like four plays that lost it. We lost that game almost four times. I think while me and Ike was talking when he he got back over here, there were five plays, including the bust to Burton. There was the bust uh, to Burton. There was the drop touchdown by VAR. There was, of course, the fourth and 31 play, the muff punt. And I can't remember what the other one was. It was the one in the first half. Those, those were the critical plays. Multiple. We could, we could have three of those go wrong and one go right and we still win this game. The talent disparity is not what we thought it was. And this game hurts more because it was winnable. It, it wasn't like, well, you needed the perfect game. I thought the, the kick six game, that was, that was us playing at the tippy top. Like, mm-hmm. how many errors do you remember in that game? Like, dang, man, we, we completely messed that up. I don't remember many. Or maybe the, the magic of the game has kind of erased any errors that might have happened in the game because we won it, so we don't care what the bad stuff that was to happen. But I didn't see an overwhelmed team. I didn't see an outmatched team. I saw a team that was in it. The talent looked equal. When we were running the ball, we were giving them everything they want. We were breaking tackles. Our running backs were dictating the terms and the, on those plays. 
Peyton Thorne, not great throwing. Hey, didn't matter. Let me let me scamper for these yards in since y'all are gonna give me this. We were making the plays, and it hurts that we lost the game. That was so winnable. That was more winnable than any game we lost this season, honestly. That was more winnable than the Georgia game because honestly, we didn't really have much of an answer for Bowers. And our offense couldn't get going because we hadn't we hadn't decided who we were gonna be yet. That was yeah. more winnable than Ole Miss, partially for the same reason. And it's rough that that was so winnable, but it we lost it in the most grand fashion. I would have rather it been like Ole Miss, like, oh, man, we lost by a touchdown late. We couldn't drive and get it. Let it be normal. Not like that. Not when we is under a minute and we need a stop on fourth and 31. Pain. Pain, man. Just pain. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I, 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 I emphasize this. So proud of how these guys responded after last week's loss to, to New Mexico State. They played inspired. Uh, they played with a lot of belief. And they were in there. They were in there towards the very end, and this is why I hurt for the players more than anything because those are the guys who actually played in that game. Those guys deserve to win that game, and so I hate to see them come up short the way that they did. We'll talk grades in a minute, but uh, again, I can't. I see a team that's 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 beginning to believe in themselves, and I I know that this coaching staff is is on the recruiting trail, going after going after some dogs. Uh, in this upcoming class, mm. I'm excited about the future of Auburn um, in terms of how these kids really came out and put up a good show for the fans, for themselves, for the university. Um, I hope they can build on that. I really do. I hope this team can really, I hope they can stay motivated. And again, I think that I, I look to the coaching staff to keep this team motivated. Usually teams lose a lot of motivation going into the bowl. Guys are looking at the portal so on and so forth. I'm hoping that they can close this season out with a bold victory, yeah. build on some positives, and look towards the future. Let's, go, let's grab some comments, guys, mm. um, and let's see what you guys have to say. Steph Trail says, I just want to say I would have sent a six-man blitz on that fourth and 30. <laughs> That's just me, though. Uh, he says, War Eagle, we have better days ahead, though. 
Uh, Mike G, you, you, I don't know if you, you spoke much on this, but me and, and B reiterated a lot. I, I was curious about the decision to only rush two guys uh, on that fourth and third. Yeah, look, man, um, I get the thinking, but the problem is statistically, right, when you give an athlete like that that much time to run around back there, you're increasing the likelihood that he's going to get off a clean pass in the direction that he's wanting to throw it. And then anything can happen, right? A tip up, whatever. Like, you know, I, I would have sent a little bit more than that. I, th- I thought there was a different defense that could have been played there that put that forced Milro to make a decision faster. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, you know, uh, uh, guys, it, I want to, because DJ James was catching some flag. It is difficult to to cover a receiver for more than three seconds. I was telling like, my dad this last yeah, night. Yeah, <laughs> like like you guys don't understand. Like when you're backpedaling and trying to follow this moving around, like it's it's hard. It's difficult to cover a receiver for that long. And so the decision to rush to had an impact on the DBs on the back end. Um, and I think that that's something that they will. I get the thinking, right? Like. Put so many guys back there, there's no possible way they could create. Because you have an extra defender, which is the the end zone back line. And Milrow just put the ball in the only spies the receiver made to play. DJ, you know, was, you know, he got caught out of position, which is, which is likely, man, like it can happen when, when you, when you're trying to defend a guy for that long, I, I do. Do do we see the clock? How how long was he dancing around back there? I don't know. I don't know. It was, I, it was, I missed like, it because I like was eight, actually in the elevator. Eight yeah. to ten seconds, legit. Like that's crazy. A good that's minute. Nuts. That is an eternity. It was that's a long nuts. time. But I'll say so, this: I, I saw some footage afterwards. I mean, the guy absolutely pull, pushed off. Okay, he yeah, pushed, off, pushed off. I saw DJ that too. James. I saw so, that too. But I'm not. I know that refs like to swallow whistles late. In college, they do. The NFL, they're probably going to call everything. But in college, they definitely swallow whistles late. I remember, I don't know if y'all remember this game. It was Miami-Duke like six, seven years ago or something. And Miami had like a last-minute kickoff play where they lateraled it. But they played the play back, and the ball was dead like three times. Like the guy's knee was on the ground. And they were like, why didn't the rest blow the whistle? It was crazy. Like it, it was legitimately a play that was dead probably four times, but the, the ref swallowed the whistle. I don't know why they, they do that. How many games do you remember being ending on an untimed play in, in college? Like it just, it just doesn't happen. They, they're going to let these things happen and be like, oh, well, I don't know. But I can't blame it on the very, very last play. I think... The decision to only rush to really it was like a rush slash contain because um I I'm sure we'll make this point when he's going over the film. He we were looking at some of the film today, and on the third down prior, okay, we had three, but all three were actively rushing. And after about four seconds, they broke free and actually chased Milro, which is why he threw it past the line of scrimmage. Because he was actually being pressured by all three players we had down there to pressure him. On the fourth down, they were like, ah, we're going, we'll get you. Ah, you go. They, were, they looked like they were trying to maintain distance just in, in case he just decided to scramble for it. That was a decision. It was a, a clear difference in how they were attacking at that point. They were attacking kind of sort of to try to get him to make that decision or wait to see what he was going to do. The plan was not to put pressure on him, serious pressure on him on that fourth down play. That was a coaching decision. 
And if you say, hey, well, you know, if, if it's the wrong decision, I understand you saying that. Again, I think I made this point last night. We were in a position to get it to fourth and 31 because of all the decisions that Ron Roberts had made up until that point. So the yeah. reason we had a lead to protect is because the guy who made the call, everybody says is the worst call, was making the calls before then. So if I'm going to live with you and the success we've had on defense this game, then That's I got to live with you making that decision that resulted in us losing. Yeah, no I'm, I mean, honestly, I th- <laughs> I know a lot of people would disagree with me on this one. I thought the muff punt was a bigger play in the game than the fourth. And they were all big. They, they were all big. They were yeah. all big. Yeah, I just thought that that was the easier decision to make and the most obvious decision to make in my book. If you're not going to have Keontae back there, and, you know, if you're an Auburn fan, punt return, catching punt, punts has been such a journey for you over the last few years that it was like people were, were literally, it's nice to just not have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, they made it a worry again. So I, I like I said, I, we'll talk, you can point to, in a, in a tight game, you can point to any, like a bunch of plays that might have changed it. Like, you know, what happens if they call this penalty? Obviously it would have been superior refereeing to call the push off in the end zone there. Like, Come on, man, call that. <laughs> right. Yeah. He pushed off. And uh uh Bammers would have been crying, but like if you're not going to call the dude literally trying to yank Batiste's head off on a kickoff yeah. return, like I mean, I thought he could have broken his neck and they called a penalty on Auburn. Yeah. But you know, then called the push off in the end zone. I I'm not saying I'm not sitting here trying to blame refereeing. I just thought there were a lot of other things that affected that game negatively that weren't that defensive call at the end. Could have won it as well, too. So um Albert fought the refs all night that valiantly. Yes. I thought. Yes. Per- personally. Yeah. Uh Rick Kazanave says tough watching freeze talk about talent gaps all year when coaching seemed to be the problem in two big games that could have advanced the program. I, I will tell you this, right? There you could see a talent gap in this one, right? Where? Um the t- the talent gap always shows up at the end of the game when plays need to be made. So like Milro went out there and did what he needed to do on that last drive for Bama, whereas Peyton Thorne could not. Right? Like, I mean, hear me out, dude. I, I've said this consistently. At the end of the game, when plays need to be made, right? Like, Auburn outplayed Alabama two years ago in the Iron Bowl under Brian Harson defensively. And the talent gap showed up at the end when Bryce Young drove his team down the field and got to play after not playing well the whole game. Or, you know what? I won't even say not playing well. Like, he was being played well by our defense. Mm-hmm. They just came up with the plays. I, I think this is why Hughes, Hugh Freeze, under, I think he understands this. He just overly focuses on it. Is, is that, like, when it comes down to it, you want a dude that you don't have to coach to make a play. He's just going to go out there and make it. <laughs> right. You know, Milro just went out there and made it. You know, this kid ran for 100 yards, threw for he 250. A, he had an amazing game. Yeah, like, like I mean, listen, and at the end of the game, he made one more play for his team that Auburn did not have a guy that could go out and make that play for their team, whether it was offensively or defensively or whatever, right? So this is where I do think a talent gap kind of shows up, right? Like, is is that where's the DB that makes that play or just doesn't get beat, right? Like, where's the quarterback that's going to, um, you know, I mean, they had 30 seconds. You remember, like, uh, uh, against, um, uh, what was it? Um, against Georgia, 
a few years, like, uh, I think it was 2013, how quickly Aaron Murray took them down the field in, yeah. like, 30 seconds to score. It was, like, three plays. It was nuts. And I was thinking, I was like, wow, like, rem- a minute in college football used to be a lifetime, and they didn't even need to drop the whole length of the field. Uh, McPherson kicked a 61-yarder in high school, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Two plays. They could have gotten them into McPherson's, like, like, <laughs> like le- legit game range and then see what happens. The tie-in send it to overtime. But, but Alabama had the guy who could make the play, and Auburn did not. Right. I, and, and I, the only reason I disagree with you is because two coaching decisions get it to where they don't even get the opportunity to make that play. Sure, sure. And that's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going course of events. Like you said, you do have options. Let's make sure our punt, punt return is on the field. Oh, he's not? Wait. Punt safe. Get back. Just get out. Just get out. Clear out. We see it all the time. Hey, uh, uh, uh. Nobody's back there. Let the ball bounce. That's how, as a coach, if, well, Hugh Free talked about it when, he was backed up on the goal line, and he didn't. He wanted to play safe. Well, we didn't want to throw the ball alive. What do you want me to do? When we were talking about the Mississippi State game, and everybody was on them, how? Well, how could you take the, the, your foot off the gas in the second half? And he said, "Well, these are the things that can happen if I try throwing down there. Since I want to avoid that possibility, I'm not going to throw. I'm going to play safe, run a few times, and punt it." There is a what is possible in this situation. What is the chance it could happen? If I want to mitigate that risk, I'm going to eliminate the yeah, possibility of an error. You're talking about more of a control environment. I'm talking about an, a, 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 I'm talking about a scenario where you just plays just have to be made, period. You're not trying to save the you're trying to win the game, not save it. Right? No, like, winning the game, hold on, wait, 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 time out. Winning the game in this case, by the time it's fourth and thirty-one, the thing that had happened was that a punt had been muffed. And by whoever's responsible for it, it was a coaching decision, whether it's, hey, Corey, you get out there because Keontae's not available or, man, you haven't caught any punts this game at all. And this is the most critical punt of the game. Let's just play safe. Nobody right. be back. But my, but my point is, at the very end of the game, that's when the talent gap shows up. At the very end of the game, you had two. each team had a drive, right? They had a chance with the football. Alabama scored a touchdown with their chance. And I don't know how you guys felt, but like, even though there were 30, if Alabama had had, let's say the roles were reversed and Alabama had had the ball with 30 seconds left on the clock, I'd have been sitting there shaking 30 seconds. You mean if Auburn had had the ball? No, 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 he, no, he was saying no, if she was on the other uh, foot, uh, foot and Bama uh, was uh, down. And, 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 the and, and they had had the ball with oh, 30 seconds left. Oh, you mean at the left. end after they had scored their touchdown? Oh, correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I would have, I would have been like, I don't know, this ain't over. Two plays, and then they're in field goal range with a chance to at least tie it. I, I, I'm telling you, I had no delusion that Auburn was going to do anything offensively on that with those 30 seconds. And you know, No, because one, we aren't built like that. We don't yeah, yeah, have a long passing game. But, that, but that's my point about the talent gap. <laughs> but my point the, about the coaching the is that, my point about the coaching, we were up without a passing game. Again, we threw for less than 150 yards. Sure. We had multiple drops, and including a drop touchdown, and we were still up. That's where coaching wins you against playmaking. I'm not saying, of course, playmaking is important, but could we have won that game without the better playmakers? Yes. Yes. But we, but we didn't because they had the luxury of better talent. <laughs> that's, all, that's my point. I still right? say a different Thank decision you. in Let's coaching let, once or twice. Yeah, it doesn't uh, come down to, I, I, you, they I, don't I, even get the I'm opportunity not, to make the yeah, play. Yeah, I'm not dis- disagree. I'm not, I'm not, I'm literally not disagreeing with anything you're saying. I'm just saying there was a talent gap in this one that definitely helped Alabama at the end of the game 
because they could just throw Milroy out there to make a play, and he had the talent to make it. He literally had the talent to make it. It was an Auburn, amazing throw. Yeah, and Auburn literally did not have the talent to make those plays at the end of the game. It was, it, you know, and I have been against this talent gap conversation the entire season. <laughs> but in the, in this one, I, I'm like, ah, yeah, this is this is where you hope better players helps you. You put them in a position to win at the end of the game, and because you recruited top notch players, and it may not be at the end of the game. Him. But what you say to a Cam Coleman, what you say to any other receiver is, hey, see that pass Javar Johnson dropped? Mm-hmm. You're not dropping that pass. Right? Like, you I mean, we're throwing more than 16 times, and we're throwing 25 times, and we're up yeah. 13 at this point, and not up. See what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you, you're. The, and I think that's I think that's a better example what you're talking about, Mike. Because again, there, Bama's receiver could have easily dropped that pass himself, right? right. So again, I, I I I think I think that there's a fair argument made for by both of you gentlemen. 